This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, uh, last Thursday, the Northern Ireland local elections were held. It was expected to signal what the people of the North feel about changes, the stubbornness of the DUP as it's seen, and their reluctance to go back into the Assembly and to have a functioning parliament in the North. In fact, what it showed was, well, it showed that Sinn Féin had what they called Michelle O'Neill, the first minister in waiting. She called a momentous result. Sinn Féin gained 39 seats, overtaking the DUP, who have 122 seats. Sinn Féin now have 144 seats. The Alliance Party is in third place, and the DUP and the SDLP, and the traditional unionist voice, which is on the right. But it is a very important measure, the ultimate measure of how Northern people feel and to assess what we can gauge from these results. We're joined now by one of the most brilliant journalists and political activists we've ever had. His name is Eamon McCann, a former MLA himself, the author of a great book, War and an Irish Town, which everyone should read. It is in print. It's about his hometown of Derry, from where Eamon joins us now. Eamon, the significance of the results, certainly for Sinn Féin, uh, the gain of 39 seats seems to signal something. What does this mean in terms of the big picture stuff, which is about the DUP's refusal to go back to the Assembly until they get a deal that secures what they consider to be their traditional position in the United Kingdom? Well, there's no doubt at all uh, that the main factor driving sort of the uh, significant rise in the Sinn Féin vote, the main factor has been sort of the behaviour of the DUP. Yes. I mean, the DUP insisting that they will not have Michelle O'Neill as uh, the First Minister in Stormont has angered 
you know, uh, nationalist voters. I mean, uh, here in the bog side where I'm speaking for, I know, I mean, I know personally, uh, sort of people who never voted Sinn Féin before. It would have been, shit, would have been SDLP voters, or who maybe didn't vote. And they turned out for Sinn Féin because they simply weren't going to stand for, in effect, they're being told we won't have a Catholic about the place. Yes. If that Catholic is going to have such a prominent uh, a role as Michelle, uh, Michelle O'Neill would have been entitled to. So that was a big factor. It wasn't a, a, a you know, a, a, a policy difference which yes. swung so many votes away from the SDLP and towards Sinn Féin. It was that feeling that nationalists needed a tougher representation and the SDLP was providing because of the intransigence and the sectarianism of the DUP or of much of the DUP. Yeah, is it, we, you know, this has always been in the back of my mind and many people's mind down here who aren't as familiar with the mood. But I've always felt uh, since the assembly elections that put uh, Sinn Féin in this position that the very sight of a Catholic first minister or a nationalist first minister and a DUP, which would be Sir Geoffrey Donaldson, a DUP deputy first minister, was just too much for the bigoted side of unionism to stomach. Oh, yeah, 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 that's absolutely right. And that's do, you think, do you think the British understand that? No, I don't. I don't think the British understand that there may well be sort of political intellectuals and analysts and academics yes. who uh, uh, understand it. But in terms sort of of the dominant political forces in Britain, they don't understand it. And it's worth saying yet again that the average person in Britain couldn't care two balls of blue whether yes. the, uh, the six counties remains within the UK or not. i say very briefly one of my... Uh, uh, you must remember I worked in London. I for, do indeed. Uh, a number of years, and I well recall the most memorable thing, the thing I remember most, is my friend Roddy Firth, who came from Lewisham in South London. He had yes. never been to Ireland. We are on our way, our way to work one morning at about 6am, and we are in a transit van, and Roddy turned to me and said, tell me this, Eamon, what part of Ireland do we own? <laughs> and he didn't mean it as an insult. He really no. didn't. He's a friend of mine. He wouldn't have insulted me. It was a genuine question. He wanted to know the truth about this matter that occasionally flickered across his TV screen. Yes. But that was the level of his ignorance. And there were 13 of us, I remember exactly, in the van. Nobody at all came in to say, well, I know a bit about that. And why should the average British person worry about what was going on in Northern Ireland? It has really got no effect on their day-to-day lives or their incomes or the parties that they vote for. It's not relevant to, to a, a, any of that at all, you know. And when you add to the, that to that fact, if you add that in more recent years, more recent decades, the British elite, the British ruling class, also have got no compelling interest in uh, retaining Northern Ireland within the United Kingdom. There you have a desperate situation for Ulster unionism, and hence the fragmentation, hence the confusion, hence the retreat into old-fashioned bigotry, which you can see day after day uh, in the North, which is very depressing. And it would be wrong to say that that represents every person in the Protestant community. Most certainly it does not. Um, strange as it might seem, uh, in many places, of course, that that, uh, it, it, that there, there are many, uh, there, and there would have been on Thursday, many, many sort of Protestant people who've got no problem with gay marriage, who've got no problem 
with a woman's right to choose. You've got no problem with a broad, expansive attitude to the world at large. And uh, uh, I say, but I say at the same time, when it comes to the election in Northern Ireland, they know what side they have to be on. And they're told by the whole strategy of the DUP and of unionism generally is to say, you better vote for us. Otherwise, Northern Ireland is lost. Sinn Féin's going to take over, and that's the end of Northern Ireland. It's a matter of life and death for our community, and that works. And it certainly worked on Thursday. Yeah. Now, the British government clearly is a major player here, as indeed is the Irish government to some extent. Yeah. Um, but the, the British government needs a deal to be made because they need a good relationship. They've decided late in the day with this new Prime Minister Sunak that they want to be closer uh, and more amenable to the European Union and they appear to want to do business. But Jeffrey Donaldson and the DUP are saying no to everything. And it seems that, I mean, the traditional unionist voice, we know what that is, uh, they only got 3%. <laughs> they have a fellow called Jim Allister, who's their leader. Yeah. Uh, how frightened of Jim Allister is Sir Geoffrey Donaldson? Uh, because on the numbers, you would have thought, particularly as a result of this election, they didn't gain or lose. They stayed where they were. He wouldn't have much to fear. Absolutely. And the DUP will wait and see how important this factor is sort of over the next weeks and months. But the DUP is less frightened of Jim Allister and his traditional unionist voice than they were on Wednesday last. Uh, come the uh, right. evening of Thursday, you know, uh, they were agreed, as far as this particular question is concerned, Bill have breathed uh, a sigh of relief and thought, well, we've more or less seen off that particular threat. And that's important sort of in relation to the development of the DUP and what they do. Over the, over the next uh, uh, period, because the DUP have been terrified that if they proved themselves, if they showed themselves to be too soft, yes, then there would be a significant a, a rise in support for the TUV, and that would have damaged them greatly. They can now see that they they've seen off the uh, TUV. The majority of unionists wanted to vote for a big party, which had some chance of emerging as the uh, main party. So Jim Allister is now marginalised, and that does affect it, will affect uh, a, the DUP and their voters, and they'll have a different approach, I would think. It, it, just not to go on too long, but it's the fact that Jim Allister was there, sort of a, a, a presenting another pool of attraction a, a, a for unionists, it's that which convinced them, they know this from talking to some of them, they were frightened that their whole party would disintegrate. If yes. some of them, a sufficient number, went to the TUV and then Jeffrey Donaldson's DUP falling further behind Sinn Féin and, uh, 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 and losing credibility as well, as well as support. So the elimination, the effective elimination of Jim Allister for it does change the perspective sort of of the DUP. Yes, and I mean, I, I should point out, Eamon, that um, the, the TUV went up to 3.9%. Now, the DUP are on 23.3% and Sinn Féin on 30% of the vote. The traditional unionist voice, Jim Allister's party, went up by 1.7%, but on a very small, low base. And also, the main reason for that is that they ran candidates in more constituencies than in the last right. uh, local government election. So that's what's reflected there. Now, on the day, I keep saying this when we talk, uh, but on the day the Good Friday Agreement was signed in 1998, you told me what would happen 
you predicted that politics in the North would get worse. It would become more polarized. And Sinn Féin and the DUP would be the majority on both of their sides. And that the real uh, losers would be the SDLP and the uh, official Unionist Party. And that is absolutely what happened. So you have form here. Uh, <laughs> I, w- I wish you could give me a few tips for the horses, Eamon. But uh, the, the, the thing is, what, what leverage does the British government have on the DUP, on Sir Geoffrey Donaldson and his party to encourage them or make them allow a functioning democracy in terms of an assembly that can make decisions, make policy, and I'm sure people are suffering because there is no effective government. Yes, people are suffering because there's no government, uh, no executive at Stormont. I mean, I would say sort of as a preliminary thing that uh, this doesn't mean that things would get an awful lot better if the Assembly was restored. I think democracy demands the restoration uh, of the Assembly, but I think it would be a mistake to imagine that the crisis situation with regard to housing and with regard to the health service, people in the Republic will understand these things. It's the same problem in the South. Whether that would change, I don't know. But the British government has got leverage over uh, the DUP, leverage that they don't have with any other party, because of course the DUP's position is that they will not return to the Assembly until such times as they get changes in the arrangements, the constitutional arrangements between Northern Ireland and uh, Britain of such a nature as in their eyes to secure sort of a, a, a Northern Ireland's place within the United Kingdom. So they're looking for a few changes there that they can, which would enable them which would, with plausibility or implausibility, to go back to their party and to the electorate and say, well, you know, things we've made things better. We have achieved, maybe not everything, but we have achieved a, a strengthening of the union uh, between uh, Northern Ireland and Great Britain. And that might be enough. It'll have to be enough. I can't see any other uh, a way that the DUP is going to back into the Assembly to serve under, so to speak, Michelle yes. O'Neill. I don't see them doing that unless they're able to waive some concession ahead and say that our boycott of Stormont gave us this. Yes. And therefore we were justified in boycotting uh, Stormont. That might work. That might work. Well, I, uh, I doubt it, but it might. Well, let me put this to you, Eamon. It is generally agreed that business in the North has the best of both worlds if the Good Friday Agreement is observed and the new protocol between uh, the EU and the UK is enacted. Mm. They will be able to sell their goods in the UK. They'll be in the single market, which is hugely helpful because they can send stuff to us, take stuff from us. Uh, They'll be hugely advantaged in terms of jobs, businesses. Does that argument of having the best of both worlds, of being told that, does that have any purchase with them at all? Oh, I think it does. I think it does. I mean, there's more or less a consensus around that proposition uh, in in the North. It's not enough to empower, in his own mind, to empower Jeffrey Donaldson uh, to say, right, I'm going into the executive, Michelle O'Neill will be uh, uh, the first minister. Could he do that and uh, maintain the unity within his own party? I doubt it. But without any doubt, 
the whole question sort of of Northern Ireland having it both ways sort of uh, uh, that is a factor in that, and that will tend to put pressure sort of on the DUP. So it was an interesting time, an interesting time coming for everybody in uh, Northern Ireland, but for the DUP in particular, this will be a factor. In fact, Northern Ireland would be in both economic jurisdictions, if I can uh, put it like that. That would be one of the items of pressure on uh, Jeffrey Donaldson. And as I say, if Zunak's government, and I think they probably will, give them a couple of concessions, and maybe thread there, and maybe transparent, but nevertheless, he needs something uh, to show to his electorate and to his party members as a prize that they have won, sort of through by not going into Stormont. They've forced the British government to give them this. That would provide some cover. Uh, not a lot, I would think, you know, but it will <laughs> provide them with some cover uh, for doing a U-turn on attendance at Stormont. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Now, when I look at the DUP, I see Sammy Wilson, I see Ian Paisley Jr., Edwin Poots. They don't seem to be, whenever a new deal or idea is put on the table, they just rubbish it. They, they, they actually don't want a, at all to be, yeah. they don't want anything to do with the Good Friday Agreement. They yeah, don't want anything to do, am I right about that? Well, you're, you're, yes, you are right about that. Although it's worth noting just in passing that, uh, Edwin, Edwin puts, like he made a couple of statements over the past few weeks, which would indicate that he's backing off from that hardline position. Right. And we'll wait and see what happens internally. But he has certainly, uh, referred in public to and admitted 
sort of uh, a that their attitude sort of at the moment sort of is not doing them any good electorally. But let's see how a uh, 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 that works out over the uh, short term uh, future. But certainly the the another crucial factor in all this is that. We can talk sort of about the intransigence with the DUP and the stupidity of their attitude towards uh, the single market and, uh, and all that business. But not a single unionist elected representative from any unionist party broke ranks on this. Not right. one. Uh, if and that's very interesting. And uh, all po- tests of public opinion, you know, polls and the Northern Ireland Life and Time survey and all the rest of it, all these things indicate that a majority, not a massive majority, but a majority of, u- of the unionist voters approve of the line taken by the DUP and say that, you know, they don't want the DUP to go back into Stormont until such times as the, uh, a, 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 as they get sort of the changes that, a, a, that they're after. So they're not, I mean, people like Sammy Wilson and Gregory Campbell, they do have some support. They do have significant support. It would be foolish yes. to imagine that they are, for sectarian reasons, just manipulating their electorate. They do have support. Uh, it may be waning. We'll see. It may be shifting. We'll see. But at this moment, they do have significant support. I note that Billy Hutchinson, the loyalist, lost his seat. Mm. Now, Billy has been a prominent figure in loyalists and unionists, well, loyalists is different. For it's loyalists more the working class. Would that be fair yeah. to say? Uh, Absolutely, uh, element of, of Protestantism. Um, he lost his seat. Is there any significance in that? I mean, I note by the way that Edwin Poots, who has some odd ideas about when life started on Earth and all of that, but he used the phrase. Unionists need to wake up and smell the coffee. I'm never yeah. sure what that means. <laughs> it's been around <laughs> a long time. So could you explain what wake up and smell the coffee means and what it means in the context that our friend Edwin spoke it? I think it means uh, unionists have got to uh, wake up and look around them and uh, realize that there has been uh, uh, a change. And if they ignore it, uh, they're on the road to nowhere. Uh, a, I think it just means that. And what's significant about that is that uh, Edwin puts, I don't think, would ever have made such a statement that we have to wake up. Yes. You know, and previously, if he had been talking about waking up, he would have been talking about <laughs> waking up to defend. You know, yep. Not waking up to consider sort of the whole uh, uh, political landscape. So, Edwin's, I mean, I don't expect anything from Sammy Wilson, you know, or Ian Paisley. Uh, yes. I'm not going to slag them off, although I could. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, but they're not going to change. They're not going to change. They have hitched their wagon to the sect, uh, 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 to the sect, to sectarianism, and yes. they're not going to change. The position for the traditionally st- stronger parties, the also Unionist Party. Mm. I mean, there's a terrible irony here, isn't there? John Hume's SDLP. Oh. And David Trimble's Ulster Unionist Party, Trimble and John Hume both received the Nobel Prize for Peace. Uh, they, yeah. they got to stand on the stage beside Bono, <laughs> which, <laughs> which as, a, as a lover of rock and roll, I'm sure, thrilled you, Eamon. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but their parties are languishing. Ulster Union is 10.9%, uh, the SDLP 87 Percent. Uh, so, as you predicted, on the night the Good Friday Agreement signed, 
the centre ground would be eviscerated and mm. the Sinn Féin and the DUP would be the two two parties and it would be trouble. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely true. And the SDLP, one of the problems and one of the reasons they didn't manage to arrest the decline in their vote is that they depended too much on their past. I mean, they were forever during the election saying, we negotiated the Good Friday Agreement. It wasn't Sinn Féin. Uh, John Hume was the architect. Now, that's true. It that's is true. true. Yes. But in 2023, the uh, SDLP candidates in Derry, for example, were all careful to stand sort of in front of, there's a mural to John, a big mural sort of in Great James Street at the edge of the bog site. They were all being photographed yes. before the uh, image of John Hume. Now, I can understand why they would have homage for John Hume. It would be strange, so he created the party. You know, so, but the thought that there's any votes to be got in uh, aligning themselves with John sort of at this point in the political history of the North is absolutely delusional. They have the policies for now and for what they're going to do doing forward and not look back nostalgically at their great past and expect the nationalist electorate to be entranced by the same images from the past. Is the Good Friday Agreement, as it was originally signed, is it now redundant? Uh, not redundant, and I don't want to put it down. It was, it, it was a remarkable diploma, diplomatic achievement, one could argue. It certainly ended the violence and saved many lives. Yes. But is there an argument for saying now that the the propositions it was based on are not really playing out? Well, there's a big argument for saying that. Um, uh, it's not in public. Nobody's saying it. No, well, let's break, break some new ground yeah. here. Yes, yes. There are, yes, there are going to be, I, I think there are going to be changes there. For example, we wouldn't have this problem if there was a system which was not based on necessarily binding uh, the main representatives of nationalism and unionism together. The reason why they can't get Michelle O'Neill in as a first minister is that that can't happen unless the DUP goes with it. Yes. It can't happen under the rules in the Assembly, which were enshrined in uh, the Good Friday Agreement. There has been some muttering, and it's no more than that so far, by uh, particularly sort of by Sinn Féin people and so on, but also by SDLP people, and particularly the Alliance Party, I mean, who uh, present themselves neither unionist uh, nor nationalist. And they have been talking about the need to change, as they say, the architecture of the agreement. Yes. Now that sort of as a signal uh, uh, of our, we got to look again at the arrangements for uh, electing various officials and for holding Stormont together. Because let's keep in mind that the DUP represents you know, a minority of voters in Northern Ireland. Yes. It's uh, a, a, around 30%, and yet they have a veto on whether Parliament, that's the, the Assembly, works or not. This wouldn't be tolerated. Well, it wouldn't arise sort of in any, in any other European democracy. It simply wouldn't. The biggest party, and simply now is easily the biggest party, wouldn't have to negotiate yes. sort of with another government and other parties in order to get another party to join them as the price of getting government uh, back up and running. So while the Good Friday Agreement may have solved a number of things and certainly brought a measure of peace to the North, which is greatly to be welcomed, but uh, the Good Friday Agreement, I believe, and I, I, I believe, I may be wrong about this, but my expectation is that the feeling that the Good Friday Agreement has to be recast 
that that feeling is going to grow. I suspect that behind closed doors, I wouldn't be privy to this, but I, 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 I believe it likely that discussions along those lines are already underway uh, with the British government and, and the Dublin government as to what changes they can make to make it more, make the whole arrangement amenable uh, to more people in the North and allow that for a voluntary coalition that Sinn Féin would go forward. It doesn't have more than 50% of the seats, so it can't deliver everything, but that they could look for on particular issues, that they could look for allies on particular issues or a coalition. Right. Form and say that whoever doesn't like it can go into opposition. Like it would be the, the SDLP would greatly have benefited and would still benefit now if they were able to go into opposition, have a leader of the opposition, and critique whichever government, yes. whether it's a, 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 it would have to be sort of at the moment an arrangement between the SDLP and Sinn Fein. If I were a strategist for the SDLP, I'd really, I'd really be begging. I'd be on my knees begging for uh, a that type of development. And maybe it makes sense. Maybe they'll get it. Maybe they'll get it. Sort of a, 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 but that's one possible way out of the sectarian deadlock that we have at the moment. A final question, Eamon, and I, I don't want to put you in an invidious position. Ah, go ahead. And all the talk <laughs> we have down here, I mean, we have... We interviewed Bertie Ahern, who was one of the architects of the Good Friday Agreement and brought to, as much as anyone to bring peace to the North, such as uh, that peace is, and it's a lot, I'm sure you'll agree. Talking about a border poll by 2030, and there's a lot of talk about a border poll from Sinn Féin. In fact, Mary Lou MacDonald talks about it all the time. Yeah, uh, yeah. And... Doesn't that kind of talk, and of course Michael Martin has talked about an agreed Ireland or a shared Ireland, Mm -hmm. does all that kind of talk and noise, which emanates from down here mostly, make things worse in terms of forming the Assembly and getting it up and running again? Because the DUP and other unionists and loyalists say, these boys are coming to get us. Yeah, well, as, um, certainly a border poll would galvanize the unionist parties, and you would see sort of a very strong campaign yeah. saying, uh, no, we don't want that. Yeah. Now, uh, as I said, they don't have a majority to deliver that themselves, to deliver a new vote in a referendum on uh, a united Ireland. But I don't think that's the end sort of, of yeah, uh, a debate we would have to have about what's likely to happen next and what effect a border poll but would have. But even before you could have a border poll, you'd need a majority both sides of the border, and you wouldn't yes, get indeed. that, would you, in the north? No, it, would, it wouldn't get there at all. And I believe, I think that even in the north, I doubt, you know, I can't know one way or the other, but I strongly doubt whether sort of there would be an overwhelming majority for this within the nationalist community in the north at all. Because historically, if you look at it, the nationalists in the North have never voted like for a war, for anything like that, to get a united Ireland. Yes. The thrust of nationalist politics over the last 50 years, 100 years, I mean, has been to seek equality yes. within Northern Ireland. Yes. And it's when they couldn't get the equality that you had sections of the nationalist population in the 1970s, for example, beginning to say, you know, sort of, well, we're going to uh, fight you for this. And that's what the civil rights movement was yes. all about. Yes. I mean, my own favorite cliche, you know, whatever, sort of my mantra, uh, a, at, at the moment, in relation to, uh, a, 
in, in relation to uh, uh, all that sort of is that the nationalists never supported an armed struggle, for example. Yes. At no point no. in the hundred-year history yes. of this uh, of the uh, Northern Ireland state has a majority of nationalists voted for a war for no. a united Ireland. The whole thrust of the thing has been for equality, for civil rights, and in some ways, in one perspective, you know, the armed struggle of uh, the IRA can be seen as the continuation of the civil rights movement yes. by other more yes. dangerous and inappropriate methods. I think that's the way history is going to record it. Okay, Eamon. Uh, as always, fascinating uh, to talk to. Eamon McCann is, without a shadow of a doubt, one of the greatest living Irishmen. Uh, and it's a great pleasure t- to talk to him on the stand. Thanks to Eamon. Thanks to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon.